Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to continue a, a conversation that we had uh, two weeks ago here uh, about the emotions that Christ went through and how at the end of the day, the same emotions that human beings felt 2,000 years ago are the same as today. Um, and the only real difference between us and the people in the Bible is that we know how the story ends because we've been able to read it before and they were living through and they didn't know what tomorrow was going to be. But at the end of the day, that's it. And, and that's in some ways how it can relate to all of our lives here today and always will. And I wanted to, to kind of, you know, focus on some of the stuff that we were talking about in the last episode as well about how Christ went through everything in the passion for us, but it wasn't to like build up spiritual currency to, to cash a check on someone's behalf. It was, it was to overcome an evil at the end of the day. Um, as we've mentioned before that death is, is a form of an evil um, and, and Christ overcame it. And as we look at it, by overcoming that, he's given us the keys and the ability in combination with free will to step up and make ourselves better to be able to follow his will, as we mentioned in our last episodes, make ourselves more capable um, rather than hiding away and, and, and hiding from it. And I wanted to talk about how how Jesus did that. He, he knew that he was going to face challenges throughout his ministry, throughout his profession. Um, he knew that people were going to, to doubt him. The people were going to, to try to make him look bad and he didn't stop. He had processes where he would talk to the people around him and try to teach them. He gave them opportunities to test themselves when he sent each of the mountain pairs of two to see if they could do this while he was still around. Kind of, you go out, try this, and then we'll come and regroup, see what was good for you and what wasn't. Um, think of that as an example of, you know, sending a teenager out in the world, letting them see how life is, and then still teaching them before they leave forever. Um, that's kind of the thought that I've had there. Um, there's many business examples you could do, but core concept. And he went through all of these different feelings. And ultimately, by teaching by example, Jesus gets to do, because he's God, something that none of the rest of us will be able to do. He gets to come back and see what his work was. You know, he, he, he was able to go out, teach everyone, do the culmination of his mission in overcoming death, and then see how everyone reacts to it. See how... Um, as we hear on Easter Sunday, how the women are totally in belief, all in, and then they run to go and find the apostles, and how some of them are are not on board, they're, they're doubting, you think of, of Timothy in that example, and, and some of them figure it out immediately. So I, I kind of want to have the conversation of, of the after the Easter side of the fence, of, of the emotions of, of Christ at that point, in seeing essentially the fruits of his labor and how people had benefited from it and how to a certain extent we in the church 
are still part of that ongoing mission of accepting um, everything that Christ went through and being able to, to be a part of it moving forward. Yeah, I love the way that you present that, Joe, the, the, feel, the feelings of Jesus as he sees the fruits of his labor, you know, the, the response. I just uh, also learned that one of the key, uh, the, the highest correlation of marriages staying together, the highest factor correlated with marriages staying together is how spouses respond to those micro bids of affection. When, when the wife says, oh, I love this whatever in this catalog, does the husband actually say, oh, let me see? Or, oh, that's wonderful. I like that. Does he respond? It's a micro bid for affection. She's, she's saying, are you paying attention to me? Do you like what I like? Are you willing to go out of yourself to, to give me that moment in time? You know, but in s- simple things, ex- you know, offering a opening arms for a hug or uh, making other little gestures, those micro bids for affection are really, and the res- the response to them are what really holds marriages together. And so <clears throat> we can think of what Jesus has done, giving everything, and then he's looking for those responses from us. W- what's the response to all that he's given? Are we able to see, are we able to make that act of faith are we able to do what he's asking us are we you know and, and when he sees those uh, little responses or responses to even the the little gestures that are there that delights him he gets delighted by that that's a uh, part of what holds our relationship with him together and so yeah there's a uh, god god truly delights in us it's a uh, it's a little bit paradoxical because god is omnipotent and he is totally fulfilled in himself and he's in need of nothing on the one hand on the other hand he's extended himself as love does and the response that he gets matters to him and uh, he experiences that also as uh, as love as as presence and so our, our response really matters and when he sees that in mary magdalene and the apostles and we see so much patience as well i mean he comes alongside of them and explains to them and even when he says to the two disciples on the road to emmaus you know do you not understand are you still so slow of heart to believe that the christ had to suffer and to die and on the third day be raised um and he walks through all of the scriptures referring to him you know which was not a small amount um, we'd love to have that scriptural commentary to uh, turn to for our, our learning and prayer. But he comes still with great patience and with great tenderness and with great love. And he helps us to receive the fruits of, of all that he has done for us and helps us to grow in holiness. And the, and the more that we grow in holiness, the more the father sees the son in each of us. And the more the father delights in us as he sees his son emerging more and more, he sees his son in a real way and uh, because we've been baptized and his son is truly within us. His, his face is behind our face, but our face becomes more aligned with uh, less of a flat shield and more of a, uh, a contoured surface around the face of Jesus. And our face is... Uh, becomes his face more and more and the father sees us and delights in us as he delights in his only begotten son so 
that uh, reality of the Father's delight as we allow ourselves to be conformed to Jesus, responding to the Father's love. Uh, all of that is happening, of course, in this post-resurrection period, starting with uh, Mary and the apostles and the disciples, and then continuing all the way to the present day to us. And and and, and as you think about that example you gave there of him talking to the, the two people walking down the street after the resurrection, um, it kind of makes me, me think of this, starting from Jesus' perspective of Jesus knew what he was doing the whole time. I mean, it was his mission. He was the the main actor. He can control himself. And so when he knows what he went through and he knew everything that went into it, and then to see essentially what I believe to be just two regular people um, who, who kind of followed it, um, what was going on, and they're just going home after the Passover as, as the rules and the customs of their time said, and they're just talking about what happened over the course of the last week. I mean, obviously, this was a big deal. Not too often does the chief priest create a riot to kill someone. I mean, that's a weird thing. So you're <laughs> going to talk about it. So to have to have Jesus there know that he went through all of that and have these guys not get it, you can see how, how you can have that, well, why did I do all of this, get really frustrated as you know, we can experience situations like that in our own life. Like I put everything into this and you're just not getting it. Like, how do you not get how important this is? And, but he does the opposite. He, he essentially does humility in the sense that he, he says, okay, we're going to just start from a earlier starting point and get to why this was important, you know, with an understanding that yes, Jesus was a great, scholar he knew the law inside and out um from both a divine perspective but as being taught it from a human mind perspective and he was very educated with this so the same way that it might be that a mechanic teaches you how an engine works well at the beginning you probably have no idea there's like there's a bunch of shiny things and it's dirty i have no idea what's going on here how is it both how is it simultaneously shiny and dirty i don't get it um but that's how it works. And then you actually go to, okay, this does this, that, and the other. And he was humble enough not to get upset and angry that people didn't understand the purpose and what Jesus went through, but actually willing to take, go down to where they were and to teach them up to that point. And from my perspective is that seems like a great deal of humility um, almost to the extent where it's greater than being willing to die, but after already going through all of that and then having people not get it to be able to come back and, and to teach them that. And from their perspective, I think that most of us as individuals would be like them in an objective standpoint. You know, this guy essentially became a celebrity over the last three years, most people didn't know about him until the last year or so. And we came and saw him teach in the temple for the last two or three years. He makes some sense. We're seeing what he's saying. Um, but he lives, I live way over here and he's doing his thing over there. So I only really s interact with him during the, the main events that pull us in. And let's also be serious. Most of us are more engaged in our daily lives of 
trying to figure out how to make sure there's food on our table than sitting down and reading all the time, um, let alone reading the, the, the Bible at that time. So to have Jesus pull out a laundry list of quotes about him, of course, he knows that that was his profession, but a guy who's a regular baker or a farmer may not. And I think that those two people in the Bible kind of are the easiest ones for us to to kind of relate to that we have a kind of an idea of what's going on and we get that things are different because of this but how the how it's all going down can be a little bit um you know confusing and not gathering it so i wanted to to kind of dwell upon that because i think that in a certain sense that's where most of us are um, in our day-to-day lives. Trying to make sense out of all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about yeah. it. You know, they didn't know what's going on. The, the priest who's in charge of everything just caused a riot to kill someone. Like, that has to be mind-blowing and confusing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, you make uh, you make great points. And, and certainly the... Um, the travelers on the road to Emmaus, uh, in fact, it... It names one of them as uh, as Clopas, but it doesn't name the other one. And that that would what one could say that that was intentional, um, so that we can put our own name in there uh, to you know to make your point, Joe. And then also Emmaus. It's not entirely clear where Emmaus is. So Emmaus was not. It's not anywhere else in the Bible. And uh, you know, there's a place now that's uh, recognized as being Emmaus, but there's not a good tradition of of that having been the case. And so uh, even the place that they were going to seems to be nondescript. And uh, so it's wherever we're leaving to go to, wherever we're wandering off despondently, wherever our home is uh, away from the Lord, you know, we, uh, we can put ourselves in the place of that disciple and know that Jesus uh, walks alongside of us. I'm actually looking at my computer screen, which has an image of the um, Jesus meeting the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it's the the cover of the book that Father Tom Acklin and I wrote on spiritual direction, uh, which we see as a kind of Emmaus experience, the spiritual director in the person of Christ walking besides, or I'm sorry, uh, the spiritual director as the friend uh, walking beside the other friend and in the midst of that conversation, Christ becomes present. And so <clears throat> accompanying people and hearing their, their woes, their stories, uh, all, all of these things are beautiful Emmaus experiences that Christ himself enters into. And so, a- as you say, you know, most of us are in this place. Uh, all of us, to some degree or another, are in this place. So what do we do? Well, let's walk together, first of all. Let's uh, accompany each other. Let's walk along that path together and let's talk about it. Let's try to make sense of, sense of it. And in the process of doing that, Christ has a way of showing up and uh, the light coming on. You know, in some way, it's what you and I are doing, Joe. We obviously are not scripting these podcasts. Uh, you have some questions and we talk about them. And uh, I think we both learn during this time. And, and hopefully our listeners are also learning and we're, we're drawing close to the Lord. The Lord is entering into our conversation. So it's a, a great model for us. If you have doubts, you have confusion, you don't know what's going on, you're hurt and despondent, discouraged in your life, 
And uh, well, the first thing is draw alongside another human being and, and, and start to talk about it, start to try and make sense of it. Bring it to the scripture, bring it to prayer, invite Jesus also into it. Sometimes we our, our confusion sessions become rant, complaining, bitterness sessions. That's not super helpful. Um, but if we can also maybe even explicitly invite the Lord to be a part of it, say a little prayer, come Holy Spirit, help us, Jesus. We want to know the truth. Lead us in whatever this difficulty is in our lives. And one of the things that came up whenever we were having our discussion um, about the emotions Jesus went through during Lent was how sometimes as individuals, we have a tendency to not want to show our problems. Like we will come out and, and show everyone after we fix whatever our own issue was and kind of get self-absorbed in that sense. But as we've gone through and discussed here to your point, we're actually better being open to them. And, and that's open to our, our problems and being out with other people. You know, that that's part of going back to the beginning of this episode, the extension of, of love. I mean, that's, you have to show your own vulnerabilities to be able to receive love. And, you know, in a certain extent, that's, that's what you started with by saying that, that it's why God cares about our attentions and, and, and our love in that he became vulnerable by creating us in a sense that we could have completely not followed or not cared or anything. Um, but by continuing to come back to, to him and being able to listen is an excitement of love. So that notion of I only want to come out when I'm perfect or I want to hide the world from my problems seems to be a very flawed one, unless I'm oversimplifying this, um, that would actually hold us back from going down the mission and, and walking with as a disciple, uh, as you just mentioned right there. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we, have to, we have to admit that we have uh, troubles and that we need help and that we have questions. And uh, that is very vulnerable. And, and vulnerability is what makes intimacy possible, the union that love brings. When we expose our vulnerability, our questions, our discouragements, our troubles, when we dis ex uh, disclose that to someone and they receive it with love, and respond to it, it gives us a chance to be more deeply bonded together. And, uh, and that's a great gift. And God is love. And uh, as, as love grows, God's presence also grows very much in our midst. And, and that brings us to that fullness of, uh, of perfection that uh, we were talking about earlier, I guess, uh, in our last podcast, talking about habits and the ways that we are made for something, made to, we're, there is a kind of fulfillment of our person, and we're, we're aiming towards that, and God is helping us to grow towards that, and our responses to him also help us to grow towards that. It's the, it's the new life of the resurrection uh, coming alive within us, transforming us from within. And so as we respond to these, these situations, as we open our hearts in love to another human being and, and in the process also to God, it helps us move along that path of, uh, of fulfillment, of interior growth. And, and then we experience that, that joy and delight, which mirrors the joy and delight of God as he sees us. He always sees us as we were, as we are, and as we will be. And he delights in all of that. 
And so uh, we also get an experience of as we were, as we are, and as we are becoming, as we will be, as we uh, open our hearts and share with another and experience that, that intimacy of love being understood and received. And as you said that, a, a thought or a question, I guess, came into my mind about that was when we are together in happy relationships, almost inherently we're doing something virtuous. You can't really have a truly happy relationship if you're constantly lying to each other or coveting each other or wanting to murder each other. So therefore, you have to be doing something that's on the virtuous side or at least neutral. And my question there is, even if it's not explicit in the sense that, you know, we're doing this and we're, we're emulating God, um, does that still... I don't know. Account's not the right word, but that's the the kind of the essence I'm trying to say. Does that still create the positive effects that that essentially we've been discussing here? So, like, like, like when Jesus is there, he's explicitly talking about the scriptures, um, and and and, and you know, we we have those conversations in our lives where we're explicitly talking about something religious, but if we're just together in, in relationship with with our family or whatever. And it's a positive and happy situation where we're using our examples as the virtues, but talking about something like major, like baseball or something, just something that's not religion, I guess is essentially the way to say something that's neutral in that regards. Um, Is that still something that's beneficial or do we need to have this feeling that, Oh, I didn't talk about Jesus explicitly today. So I'm doing something wrong. So Mm. that's what I'm trying to ask. And I, Kind of mm-hmm. botched no, the way that's of saying great. that. No, no, that's uh, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a really important question. Um, well, some things some things are infinitely deep. So uh, I'm not sure if baseball is, but there are themes in baseball: uh, the the underdog, the struggle, the comeback, the triumph, the self sacrifice, the cooperation the team spirit, the forgiveness, the general, you know, there are themes in baseball, which are infinite, which do really participate in Christ. And so, um, you know, likewise in our lives, if you're a baseball player and you're sharing about your struggle because you're in a slump uh, or your excitement because you hit three home runs, uh, there can be a real sharing of the heart in that. So, um, there are many things that are means to an end. The end is always God, and the human person is also an end in himself. So uh, whenever our conversations really lead us to the human person, the human heart, and uh, you know those those things are are infinitely deep. they're They're all participating in God, we could say. Now, by never talking about God, we end up losing sight of the heights and we, we tend to flatten out. It's like uh, we, we need to lift up again. Uh, I was talking with some folks about why we celebrate Holy Week in such, you know, we put a lot of effort into Holy Week. It's like a lot of stuff. And you might say, well, why are we doing this? I mean, let's just simplify it and, you know, say a couple prayers and move on with life. Uh, but But we've got to if it's worth it, then it's worth it, you know, and we have to really lift up to see the full thing. We need the full thing because everything else is a kind of one-off of that. And if we if we lose the original image, 
then we'll, we'll start to devolve in, in a lot of ways. When, when we lose God, then even our, our humanity uh, is, is diminished by that. When we focus on God, our humanity itself is lifted up. And so if we're living in a religious context, we're participating in religious things. If some of our conversations, that is to say, even our participation at mass and things like that are religious, that has a way of elevating everything else. Uh, a high tide raises all ships, I think is the, uh, something like that they say, you know, so um, we need to, we need to raise up the whole dialogue at points so that all of our dialogue is, is a little bit more Christ-centered, even So with that being said, Father, you kind of cut out with us there at the end of the episode. So um, we, we thank you for, for being with us here today, and we thank everyone for listening, and we'll be with you again here next week.